Hello, and welcome to the Success Shortcut Podcast. I'm Jeff Orig, and I'm a filmmaker and an entrepreneur, and I'm someone that's still trying to figure it all out. So each week, I am sharing something that I've learned or that I'm learning, and hopefully you guys can get something out of it too. And we're having a discussion in the office here about maybe like confidence and people... Um, critiquing your work and if you're listening uh, with me today I have Taylor she's one of our editors she's very talented um, but she doesn't necessarily always trust and believe in her talent so I wanted to share a story with her and I think I told it to her before but I wanted to share with you guys so that you guys could hear it Um, and then Taylor's here just in case like she has questions and she can kind of act as like surrogate for you guys anything you want to say right now no, I did hear this story like briefly before, but I have a bad memory, so it'll jog my memory okay. and maybe I'll have more questions this time. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, okay, so the story that kind of came up for me was when I I feel like I matured more as an artist, okay? So I don't remember when this was. This has been, maybe it was like six or seven years ago now. Um, I had already made like a bunch of funny short films and there was going to be a show where, uh, it was going to be at the Pagoda Hotel, um, in one of their like rooms that they have and they, um, it was hosted by Kimi Balmolero and it was a mix of live comedy, like live sketch comedy with my short films. So I was excited. I was like, cool. I get a live audience. I get to hear people like watching my work. And at that time, we'd like bunch, won a bunch of awards and, and all these things. I'm thinking like, okay, cool. This is going to be fun. Um, leading up to that, I created what I thought was my best short film to date. I was like, oh, this is, thing's going to kill. And basically what it was, was a, it was this like kind of wacky, short film that takes place in sort of this alternate universe where Abraham Lincoln faked his own death and he like traps John Wilkes Booth and then they have this like action fight scene kind of a thing. Uh, And I thought it was hilarious and I thought like, oh, the audience is going to love it. So the way I set it up was I was thinking like, oh, you know what? Like we're going to show my short films in between each of these different live sketch comedy things and i'll end the whole night with this new film because it's going to be like the premiere and it's like the funniest thing i've ever done and like it's going to kill so the night is going well people are laughing at the live uh sketch comedy stuff and people are laughing at all of my short films so it's perfect it's like these people are my people. This is my audience. They're into my sense of humor and my style, right? Like, we're killing. And then I'm all excited. I hit play on the the final short film, and it's crickets. Nobody's laughing at all. And I I started laughing to myself, like, 
I wasn't laughing, but I wasn't laughing at the video. I was laughing at how hard it was bombing. And then like, I tr like, I was just, I wasn't devastated and I felt like it was a good, ex it was a great experience for me because I learned a lot of things. Like by that point, I feel like I had kind of developed enough as an artist to realize that like, it's okay. Um, like I'm going to live, like I'm not going to die. It feels like you're dying, <laughs> but you don't actually die. Um, and then it made me start to think like, oh, why wasn't this working? Like these, these, this is my audience. They are into my work. Like they were literally laughing at the videos all before this. It's like, I'm the same person and the same artist. Uh, they like my sense of humor, but how come they're not laughing at this? And when I looked back at it, um, it was one of these things where when we were editing the video, I was saying like, oh, get rid of that joke or get rid of this joke and get rid of that. Like I cut so many of the jokes out because I was thinking like, oh, those are so lowbrow. Like, I don't think people are going to be into that. But little did I realize, like, well, that's my audience. It's like, like, you need to have, like, a little mix of everything, maybe, um, especially when it comes to comedy. Um, you can have, like, lowbrow jokes, some kind of more intellectual jokes, uh, and so on. And I think especially with comedy, you really need to test it. Um, so then we re-edited it for, like, another time. I've shown it since then, and we've gotten laughs with it. So the reason why I'm sharing this story, because like, I feel like when we were discussing off camera, you're like hesitant about showing your work. You're hesitant about like being confident about your work. So this is, these are the things that I learned from that. And I wrote this down here. So the lessons I learned is one, you have to let the market decide. You have to let the audience decide for themselves whether they like it or not. And it's okay if they don't like it and it's great if they do like it. Um, one of my mentors told me, we have to play the role of the investigator and not the prognosticator. So what he means by that is that like, we need to ask questions and we need to listen to our audience, to our market and see what they want and what they're asking for or what they respond to, rather than us trying to predict like, this is what they want or what have you. Of course, there's gonna be some form of that prediction like when we're creating the thing. But then when we put it out there, we have to look really honestly, like how well did it do? Um, did the audiences respond? And then if they did or didn't, then we can try and figure out why they did or did not. Um, and I wrote also, it's better to find out if the market doesn't like what you're putting out there so that we can adjust and improve. Like if that's important to you, and if you're not just making stuff just for yourself and like you don't care what other people think and you kind of want to, I feel like if you want to make a living doing this, um, you got to have some sort of audience that's into what you're putting out there. So with that, um, it's best to find out sooner rather than later that they do or don't like your stuff and then you can adjust accordingly. Um, and then it's up to you at that point, like artistically, 
do you want to make those kinds of adjustments or not? And that's totally cool, but then you have the choice, right? Um, other things, oh, here, I wrote, it's okay if people don't like your work. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, also, you're not everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. In fact, you kind of want to polarize people. Like, there's people that talk about, like, how a third, one of my people that I like to read is uh, this guy named Robert Kiyosaki, and he says, like, a third of people will like your stuff, a third of the people will hate your stuff, and then a third are indifferent. And what he says is, like, ideally you kind of want to make the third that really like like you love you, and then the third that are indifferent, if you want to you, you wanna try and push more of those into the ones that like you, if you can. But, like, if you think your favorite, let's talk about your favorite group, BTS, like, they're very polarizing, right? Like, you think and 90 million people think that they're amazing and they're the greatest artists that have ever lived right but there's probably another 90 million that think the exact opposite but there's like neither of you are right or wrong like these are just opinions and that's totally okay and like when you put your stuff out there you just kind of want to find your people and then whoever is your people like they exist, and then you just, like, let them know, like, okay, that's fine. Like, go move on to the thing that you're into. Like, if you're not into my thing, like, don't waste your time on me. Like, go somewhere else. It's all good. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't know. Does that help at all? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. But, like, I'm okay with putting stuff on my channel. Mm hmm because it's like if it does if it fails it's on me like it didn't affect anyone else it's fine mm -hmm. but like i work here oh uh -huh. so i have to edit well for for you and for the rest of the team yeah so i get nervous that i didn't do it good enough oh i'll let you know <laughs> I'll, i will let you know and if i'm not and I'm, then so i apologize that i'm not letting you know that it is good enough often enough well, you do. I'm just oh, I like do? Very, oh, okay. I'm just very... You heard it. Right, we got it on tape. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Like, even... Then don't worry. Okay. You're worrying, like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're worrying too much. I feel like you're worrying too much. Don't worry. Okay. Like, well, because we'll let you know. And then, like, I also try and let you know in a very constructive way. I, at least I think. Would you say it's pretty constructive? Or yeah. can I improve on how... No, I can't even remember, like, <laughs> what you said, but I don't get, like, hurt by it, but I'm just, like, worried that I'm not. Oh, don't worry. Because, like, A, you're on the team because, like, I see that you're talented, you have a great attitude, you work hard. Like, awesome. That's why you're on the team, okay? And then when you make the stuff or, like, you're editing, um, I look at it as a conversation like and, and i also look at it as like i'm not the final say like i it's it's really the clients that have the final say but i kind of like try and guide it in terms of what i believe the client wants just based on like my conversations with them past experiences with them and so on right so um yeah don't don't worry too much i think you're worrying too much I do worry too yes, much. Yes, so stop worrying. Stop worrying and like, 
I think trust that I've got your back um, and I, I do like your work and you're on this team for that. And then our clients go with us because they like like our general body of work, right? So like, that's the thing is like, I'm sort of cultivating throughout the years, sort of this like look and feel and this style. And then the clients that choose us work with us because of like that past body of work. And then you fit in line with that. It's not to say that we can't innovate. And I think we absolutely should innovate and we should grow and all those things and try new things. Um, but don't feel, yeah, don't feel bad. It's all good. Like, and it's all learning experience too. And like, I also know like where I am in my career. Like, I don't, I, I know that I have like so much more to learn and to grow. And like, I feel that the whole team, all of us have so much more to learn and grow. So I, I want us to kind of push the edge and the limits and like, it's okay to take creative risks and like it's okay for things to not work. Like I'd rather you try something and it not work than not try it and then we just like it's kind of boring. But it's all good. Like don't worry, you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Any other thoughts or questions? Mm, I'm worried your company is taking like the entertainment route mm -hmm. which is like movies and like feature length films mm -hmm. but like i have no interest in movies I, like i don't watch many movies mm. and like when the whole team is talking about movies i'm just so lost because i didn't watch any of them oh and so i'm like wondering why why as like a video creator that i don't like movies or that I don't watch like YouTube even but like I don't even watch content really no that's not true I mean <laughs> you do watch content oh, okay you well. just watch all BTS content <laughs> but even primarily if, right like yeah but like even if I didn't watch BTS I don't think I would watch anything else well that's something <laughs> that I mean or like I'm worried that I don't have something to offer in this feature-length direction because I don't watch anything. Well, so I understand that uh, concern, but I think it's okay. Because for me, I feel like um, I'm a believer in, I don't even know the term for it, but um, in, in like a diversity of experience. So to me, it's okay if you haven't watched a ton of movies and like you're editing a feature length film because you bring this other perspective to it that I don't necessarily have. And I find value in that. Um, because like, I, I don't know if I have an encyclopedic knowledge of movies, but I know a lot of movies. Um, and like, I can bring that to the edit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, 
editing's not my primary love, but I absolutely can edit. And I feel like having that diversity of experience is beneficial um, because it brings, it can possibly bring like a freshness to the edit when you have that diversity of experience, right? Like if in one example, like maybe in the extreme example, like if I were to edit it, it might only turn out a particular way. And this is why I bring in other people to help with the edits. Like I look at this at like what we do and how we create like jazz. I don't, do you know how jazz is made? So like the way I, I am like, I don't even know really how jazz is made, but like how I kind of perceive how jazz is made is that a bunch of great artists come together. Each of them are kind of experts in their own instrument. So let's say you have like a guitarist, a pianist, a saxophone player, um, a drummer, and so on. And they all come to it with their own like experiences, their own styles, and all their own different ideas. And then they come together to play a particular song. And in fact, a lot of them are like jazz standards. So these are songs that everybody knows. Like, let's say even like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, like you put in like a bunch of jazz musicians, they play that song, they'll create their own crazy version of it. And because of like who the individual players are, they will like add ideas into the mix that can inspire the other players. And I feel like that's my ideal on how we create too. So you're bringing this like BTS flavored um, experience and perspective, which I would be down for. Like if you come into the feature with ideas of like, oh, I love this thing and I wanna try this thing that I saw in like one of the music videos, like I say, absolutely go for it. Does that make sense? Cause like, that'd be so cool. Like imagine like we make a feature and then like you edit in the style of some, you know, one of the BTS song uh, videos. I think that could be really interesting. And it may or may not work. We don't know. But like, I would love to see it. At least like maybe we, you know, you don't have to do the whole movie. Maybe we do a whole section or like a scene and it's like, yo, that's great. Or like, hmm, maybe not. Or maybe it's like, ooh, interesting idea, but what if, and then like we kind of keep building on those ideas. Is that cool? Mm -hmm. Does that work? Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like the thing is, is uh, I think just Joe was saying like, it's up to the audience or it's up to the client to decide. And like, I'd say put stuff out there and in this case, like in the feature thing, then it's like, you can just ask me like, Jeff, do you like this or not? And then I'll let you know, honestly, yes or no. Like, what if we tried this or that or something? Or I had more like this in mind and then I can show you examples or, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just jump in and like try and make some cuts and, and show you kind of what I had more in mind. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts or questions or concerns?
I only have like basic knowledge of editing. So like how could you stand out when anyone could edit like that? <laughs> okay. Um this could be another podcast topic, <laughs> but um this is a great question. I think and maybe this this could totally be a whole another podcast topic. But um maybe the short answer is is like finding your voice and like finding um, a particular style. So yeah, this is probably a very large topic and, and maybe requires its own podcast because like I've actually thought about this a lot. Like, and maybe Maybe this is like the pursuit of an entire career, right? Like there might be some people out there that right away have uh, created a style all their own. It's unique. It's loved by many. Uh, and it's like effective. I think there's very few people out there in the world that are like that. Um, and I think especially with something like filmmaking, it hasn't been possible until now within the past like five, ten years to actually do that. So the reason why I don't think it's been possible to do that is because prior to like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was actually super expensive to shoot and edit like film and video on a on a really consistent basis. Um, like literally cameras t like 20 years ago, digital cameras were like $100,000. Um, editing systems were $100,000. And then you know, the only people that were like shooting and editing all the time were like people in Hollywood. And there you could count on your hands like how many of those people actually got to do it all the time. So in what way, like that would be like having a whole, trying to have like an NBA or like some sort of professional sports league where only 10 people could get the actual ball. You know what I mean? Whereas now... Everyone has access, not everyone, almost everyone has access to to the equipment and the gear. And for me, I can only think of like a handful of people that when you like look at what they do, it's immediately apparent on who made it. And I feel that's a combination of like writer, director, editor. Um, or it could be writer, director. The director, especially in film, is so influential. Um, the editor's job, it depends on the director. Some directors might be very, uh, have like a lot of control over the edit. So it's their style, it's their voice that's coming through. 
whereas some ed some directors are much more hands off and look to the editor to create some of that style and some of that um, yeah some of that style. I think it's a complicated issue like because like even with editing and filmmaking and, and videography and video making in general, there's so many it's a it's a highly collaborative art form. So depending on who wrote it, who directed it, who starred in it, and who edited it, all of those factors affect what the end product ends up being like. And it affects it in such a profound way. There's an example, and maybe we can pull it up. Um, oh, even the cinematographer has like a huge influence on it as well. And production designer. Everybody is so important to it. So like, there's a, a filmmaker by the name of Wes Anderson. Have you heard of him? Do you have to, are you familiar with his work? What does he work? Not really. Okay. I know the name. Uh, he's done movies like Life Aquatica, Rushmore. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the. Oh shoot! What is that hotel one? Anyway, he he has a very distinct style. His style is the composition of the shots are very flat on. They're usually very symmetrical. Um, and then the production design, meaning like what is in the frame, like all the props, the wardrobe and all that stuff, um, has a very stylized, colorful, heightened look to it. I'd have to show it to you. It's, it's maybe kind of hard to verbalize. But um, I, I was curious. I had a discussion with someone else who she was a cinematographer and uh, she was under the impression that it was a cinematographer that came up with that visual style. So we did some research. We actually looked up who the cinematographer was on his movies, and then we looked at all of his movies, and then we looked at all of Wes Anderson's movies. And all of Wes Anderson's movies actually did not use the same cinematographer. It was different cinematographers. And then when we looked at the body of work of those different cinematographers, they were vastly different. So then what I learned from that was that, wow, that, that's truly Wes Anderson infusing his like cine, cinematographic style, whatever. Like his style imparted to the cinematographer and the cinematographers executing his vision. And then same with the production designer, same with the wardrobe and so on and so forth. So the... So like I said, this could be its own podcast topic on its own. In answer to your question, I think it totally varies on who you're working with, what you're working on, and then like what the expectation of, is of your role in that particular project. So in some cases, you might be expected to bring some sort of unique style to it. In other cases, you're there to execute the vision of someone else. It could be mine, could be the client's, uh, and so on, right? And and everything in between. So, um, does that kind of answer the question or like that concern? Yeah. Okay. Any other questions or concerns? Thoughts? 
What about you, Joe? Any thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas, things that popped up for you? No questions or concerns. I would like to reiterate, though, I guess that... Um, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you were talking about uh, how you don't watch much movies and like you think that that may like hinder your ability to have something to offer. I genuinely think that every single person has something to offer the world. Agreed. You know, um, even if it's something like as simple as having had an experience you haven't had or trying a food you never had, the ability to share that with someone else can be super valuable. You know, because there's so many, like there's eight billion people in the world, right? And those people are inevitably going to be part of your audience, whatever you're creating, you know? And just because you might feel like you can't necessarily relate to the material, they may be able to relate to your perspective, you know? And I think, yeah, it's uh, easy to lose sight of that in light of a lack of confidence, but honestly, yeah, even if you feel like, even if you're not confident in what you made, someone out there will appreciate it, you know? That's what I think. Agreed. Th just to kind of uh, like speak to that, there have been studies done where diversity of experience, diversity of people on a team enhances like odds of success. And like sort of the thought before was that you just only want the big, like the best, the brightest um, on your team. But there have been studies that show that like you want this mix of like unexperienced to highly experienced and like kind of everything in between. So, oh good. I choose to believe that study. There's probably some study that's the opposite <laughs> too, but all good. Cool. All right. Anything else that anyone wants to say or add? I don't think so. No? Okay, let's wrap this up. Let me go look at Okay, so actionable steps. Um, I say go ahead, make that thing, put it out there, get honest feedback, be open to it. Even if it's like people don't like your stuff, that's okay. Like we'll live to, we'll live another day and then we can improve if we so choose to. Um, and yeah, I put adjust and move forward. So that is it. Let me go to my little closing here <laughs> did you get something out of this did you enjoy this podcast i hope you did if so please like subscribe leave a comment review i don't know where you're watching this or listening to this um share this tell your friends about it we're trying to build a community here and until next time this is the success shortcut podcast i'm jeff Forig. this is taylor that's joe we'll see you guys next time thank you Bye.